everyone, and welcome back to the Dark Highways podcast. We are journeying on to Massachusetts, which is our third state, and we start with a true crime yes. story that Kelly is going to tell. This is Kristen. And I am Kelly. Kelly. Yes, I'm Kelly. I am your other host, believe it or not. And she's going to be telling the story. Yes, that's me, Kelly. But I'm going to tell a little quick story because we did go away this weekend to a haunted house. We didn't know it was haunted. And I know we did talk about this a little off recording, off mic. I don't know. But yeah, so basically what went down uh, we were like staying in Vermont. Our parents were there and our other sister Mel was there and me and my wife Kelsey were there and you know, the whole gang. So this house is really creepy. I go down to the basement to give Kristen a tour because I had a few drinks and whatever. And I go down, there's like these wet footprints down there, which I'm all set with. Like they were like wet and sticky. I don't know what they were from. That's Even if it's not ghost. It's creepy. Yeah, I don't like it. So that was a hard pass for me. And then all throughout the night, the doors were just opening and like slamming closed constantly. And we were staying up in like the attic area because it was finished. And Kelsey was telling me that like the little closet hatch doors were just opening and closing. And then our brother-in-law was saying that it sounded like someone was playing with their kids' toys downstairs in the living room. And this was at like 1 a.m. Yeah, it was at 1 a.m. And they're not like older kids that would play pranks. They're like babies. They're toddlers. Yeah. They're toddlers. Yeah. And we were also like in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, uh, no, hard pass. Hard pass on this place. No, thank you. Mel said she was even like watching one door open up on its own. And then a few minutes would go by and then it would just slam closed. Creepy. Hard pass. I'm sorry I missed it. I'm I sorry I missed it. I love that shit. I know. <laughs> Ugh. But yeah, so that was uh, our little misadventure there. Yeah, that's a, a fun story. Finally, the, um, the outlaws, Eddie and Kelsey can um, experience some haunted stuff. I know. Yeah, so that was exciting. And yeah, so that kind of brings us to Massachusetts true crime. Not directly in any way, but we're living our best lives. The story that I have for us today, it technically takes place in Springfield. Actually, it takes place back in 2003. Let's just get right into it. Okay, so... Today, I'm going to be sharing the story of 23-year-old Angelica Martinez, whose body was discovered behind Club Ecstatic in Springfield, Massachusetts on April 20th, 2003. Her death still remains unsolved. And honestly, there is not that much out there about this story. I was actually only able to find one decent article from one source. So what I have is pretty limited, but I feel like this case could be solved. And I think once you learn a little bit more about her and what her situation was leading up to her death, you'll agree with me. So like I said in the beginning, there's not that much about this case. I 
don't even have a date of birth, a middle name, nothing like that. So I really couldn't narrow down my research that much at all, unfortunately. So the article I do have, however, is from the Hartford Current. And according to them, Martinez was an attractive, healthy, and active young woman. She enjoyed going out with friends, dancing, and she was described as someone who really laughed a lot and enjoyed life. She worked as a customer service representative during the day for an auto auction company called Copart or Copart. I don't know. Um, At night, she pursued a radiology degree at Capital Community College. At the time of her death, she was living in the Stanley Woods apartment complex with her boyfriend, Peyton Lazio, who was 32, 33 at the time. And I say 32 or 33 because they wrote two articles about this death and they gave him two different ages and both. And they were all written around like the same time. So I don't know if he like had a birthday or something, but whatever. Together, they raised their two-year-old daughter, Millie Elsie. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, but I'm going with it. Uh, In fact, part of the reason why she was pursuing a degree in radiology was to give her daughter a better life. So two days before her body was discovered, Angelica had planned to pick up some friends to go to a club in Springfield called the Hippodrome. And when they discovered her body two days later, she was wearing club wear as she would have been had she gone out. However, she wasn't wearing any jewelry, which her sister Elsie Martinez said was strange. She never went out without jewelry on. Another thing to know is that she didn't have any form of ID on her or a purse, and there were no obvious signs of trauma. So backing up a little bit, let's talk about Angelica's relationship with her boyfriend, Peyton. So back in the 90s, Peyton Lazio went by the name Steven Torres. For what reason? I don't know. But as Steven Torres, he had quite a rap sheet. According to The Current, in 1990, he was arrested on an attempted murder charge after he reportedly shot a man in the leg in New Britain. Later, he pleaded guilty to a lesser charge. In the mid-1990s, he was arrested on a stalking charge after following an ex-girlfriend home from work several times at night. He also lied to her co-workers about an imaginary upcoming wedding in an effort to obtain her schedule, the complaint said. He pleaded guilty to violation of a protective order and served a year in prison. So I'm not sure if Angelica knew of his past when they met, but regardless, they were together. Now, here's where it gets a little bit weird. So Angelica's sister and aunt described their relationship as tumultuous and obsessive. When the two lived with her aunt, Nilsa Lopez, she stated that Angelica worked for a local Walgreens and Lazio did not work. Lazio would come into the store and just hang around the store while she was working every single day. There was even a time when she wanted to leave Lazio, but felt conflicted as she wanted Millie Elsie to have her father in her life. In late 2001, Lazio actually moved out and Angelica fought for sole custody of their daughter. In March of 2002, 
she filed a motion to force Lazio to pay child support. Sadly, they ended up reconciling their differences and Lazio moved back into their shared home. Though she stayed with Lazio in the end, she also began dating other men. A man she was dating at the time, Christopher Ortega, who also worked with her at Copart, said Angelica told him that she was threatened by Lazio. He also said in an interview that he frequently encouraged her to call the police. Ortega said that he really loved Angelica and they actually planned to move away together to Florida. The last few months leading to her death, she and her sister planned her escape from Lazio. She told her friends and family she didn't love him anymore. According to her sister, they devised a plan where they would pack up Millie Elsie's and Angelica's clothes and take a flight out of there the very next day. Elsie Martinez said, we talked about it for a month. When it came down to it, she said, Elsie, I'm afraid. When he finds out why I left, he'll find me. If he sees me with another man, he's going to kill me. Lazio also frequently recorded Angelica's conversations. He would hide recorders in their apartment and underneath her car seat. These tapes were actually discovered by investigators when they did the search of their apartment after her body was discovered. And what's even more unsettling is on April 5th, 2003, Angelica went to her uncle's apartment in Hartford. She pulled her mother into the bathroom and locked the door behind them. She requested that her mother fight for custody of Millie Elsie if anything were to happen to her. And then 15 days later, her body was discovered. On April 18th, the night she disappeared, she was supposed to be meeting two friends from high school to go to the Hippodrome in Springfield. Bad news off the bat. <laughs> the yeah. Hippodrome is not a place anyone should have been going. I think it just like got shut down or something as I was entering college. Really? Yes. Because oh, it was yeah. bad news bears. Really? Yeah, I've never really heard anything about it, but I was also a wee bab. So her friends that she was supposed to meet up with, they last heard from Angelica at around 9 p.m. Um, they said she sounded really happy and really excited to go out. Lazio said that she kissed him goodbye and she left the house around 1030 but she never ended up picking up her friends in Hartford or called her friend Janet Morales, which she said she was going to do. And she didn't take the car that she shared with Lazio either, which is a little confusing. Angelica's phone records shows that she made roughly a dozen calls that night. Several were to her boyfriend, Christopher Ortega, and those calls stopped at around 9.57 p.m. And the phone really didn't have any more calls or anything like that until 11.51 p.m. And it looks like it was used to dial Christopher's number again. Along with her not having an ID or a purse or anything like that, she also didn't have her phone and her phone is actually still missing. Suspicious. Yeah. So something else that's strange is that her other boyfriend, Peyton Lazio, um, he didn't report Martinez missing until Sunday, 
April 20th at 3.59 a.m. It's because we all know that he did it. It, it. It's weird. So they were asking him why he didn't contact the police sooner. And he said all he did was frantically call the hospitals in the area. And that that was all he did as far as um, like trying to figure out what happened to her, which is weird to me. Like I said in the beginning, um, there were no obvious signs of trauma on her body. And on July 29th, the cause and manner of her death were officially ruled undetermined. Unfortunately, since there's no cause of death, they don't know if it was a murder, if it was natural causes, an accident. They they don't know, which is frustrating. We and, do know. We yeah, know. I mean, happens. like we know. But at that time, back in 2003, so that was, I mean, we've still come a long way in testing and everything like that for toxins and other poisons, things like that. At that time, it didn't seem like they had the resources that they needed to or they just didn't give a shit or yeah or they just this is the thing it's springfield it's domestic um abuse obviously Mm -hmm. and it's from the minority population yeah so what that says to me is someone saw it said oh well and didn't give a fuck and maybe that's being too harsh but how many times have we seen that happen play out especially during that time frame. 1000%. And the other thing too, that I would like to mention is that they think that her body was just dumped there. They don't think that she ever made it to any club that night. Yeah. I mean, that, that seems obvious. It's like, we all know what's his face. Did it the boyfriend? Yeah. I, I Here's the thing, and people might disagree with me, but I honestly don't think that abusive people can ever come back from being an abusive person. I feel like if you're an abusive person, you're always an abusive person. And this is where everybody, ladies and gentlemen who are listening out there, all of our hopefully 10 plus followers. Yeah. Domestic abuse. If you are in fear of your spouse, please get out of the relationship in the safest way possible. There are many, many resources to help you. Do not take them back. They will not change as far as I'm concerned. And like, maybe if you're in high school and someone's being an idiot, sure. But when you are adults and the man that you're with has a rap sheet, shot somebody or attempted to, stalked somebody, is stalking you essentially by recording everything and controlling your life, Get the hell out and do not ever take them back. I don't care what they say. I don't care if they promise you, you know, their liver on a silver platter. Do not take that person back. It's, and it's so sad too, because you just hear about these stories all the time when it's that, it's basically like that one last time that they end up taking them back or like they're about to leave. And then of course something happens to them. And it's frustrating that we don't have any answers and we don't, I mean, first of all, I don't understand how, so they met six years before she was found dead. So he didn't really serve any time for any of the crimes that he committed. 
because six years, that's 97. Mm. And he committed those other crimes in the 90s. So I just, I don't understand how he's just been walking around. I would like to think that if the charges that his ex-girlfriend filed against him, if those were taken maybe a little bit more seriously, then this is, this is the problem. Yeah. The, uh, I, how many true crime podcasts have everybody has everybody listened to a ton. Yeah. And it always starts out with a woman. Usually I know it happens to men too. Women usually going to the police and saying X, Y, and Z is happening to me. I'm scared for my life. And it's so easy for people to be like, oh, well then just leave. It has to be strategic most times. Right. You have to like stay strong and be with people who are going to keep you strong and not take that person back. So many times it goes, I don't know if they don't care. I don't know if they legally can't do anything, but the police are usually useless in this situation. 1000%. Absolutely useless. And then if you are not a white person, (laughs) they're even more useless. Oh yeah. Because they're like, oh, this is, who cares about that? Who cares about them? And then you're, these, they're just put at a greater disadvantage for getting the help that they need. Right. It's so infuriating to hear this. Women do not take them back. Men, if it's happening to you, do not take them back, but it's, it's just devastating. It's so hard too when there's children involved, honestly, even in my own like personal experience of having friends who just continuously go back to their abuser. It's, almost always because there's children involved. And it's it's just so frustrating because they never get better. They never change. It's not like, oh yeah, this time's better than ever. No, it's still the same terrible shit. And the kids are just going to see them abuse yeah. you. Whether oh, that's emotionally, 1000%. Verbally, 1000%. Yeah. It definitely sounds like the family did everything that they could to try to get her out of that relationship. And it must be so hard for them. And unfortunately, Lazio still has, or at least as far as this article says, this article again is from 2003. So there's really no updates about this case, but at the time of this article, he has full custody of Millie Elsie and Elsie Martinez. Angelica's sister is fighting for custody, which I I hope she ended up getting custody of her. Honestly, that God, fucking bad news. Bad fucking news all around. Like this could be solved. I'm sorry. And Elsie even said, she said, I want information about my sister's death and I would absolutely exhume my sister's body if necessary. This can be fucking solved. I want to know what was on those recorders. They found the recorders. Did they find the recordings? Like it, there has to be. I mean, they found the tapes. So, yeah, I, I can only imagine that there's. Did anyone check what's his face's phone? Like, come on. I know. I just don't know. And again, it was like 2003, too. So I don't know if they both had cell phones or what have you. I don't really remember how popular cell phones were back in that day, but. Not very, not very. Yeah. I feel like, like, I don't think there's a big mystery here and I know it seems like I'm blaming Lazio, but I have a hard time believing he's not involved. 
Yeah. Absolutely involved. If any of you listeners utter the words to one of your family members that, you know, if something happens to me, it's this person that did it, or, you know, please try to get custody of my children. Like you, it's obviously that person. Yeah. Obviously, you know, that they have the capability to kill you. <laughs> like if you are saying that to somebody, they obviously have it in them to kill you and you're scared. I, I don't know. It's just, it's just so sad and so frustrating. And I've seen like so many stories recently of again, like domestic violence deaths, basically of just women who were either like successfully got out of their abusive relationship or they were still in it, were killed by their significant other or their ex-significant other. All the signs are there. Like every single article you read is always, oh, they filed this report or they, you know, did X, Y, and Z. And then it's just at the end of the day, it's like nothing can protect them. And it's fucking awful. But I know it can be really hard for people to start over and change can be really scary and especially when you're in those situations where you feel like like that person's broken you down so much where you feel like you are basically nothing and you have no value to anyone else except for this person so you're like oh well no one else want me i just had this one person that wanted me and that's it i am going to shout out one of my favorite podcasts um something was wrong it deals with survivors and they tell their story and it's a really insightful, amazing podcast and you should listen to it. I agree. Really, really should. Like life is about pursuing happiness and the person you're with should light your world on fire. And if that person does not like what you're doing, then they can either buck up or buck off. Right. Buck up or buck off, dude. Yeah. Or do debt. Or do debt. Buck up or buck off. So anyway, that's the really sad story of Angelica Martinez. I would love for this to get solved. I would love an update. The family deserves justice. Oh, yeah. Billy Elsie deserves justice. We need Kids to get it deserve justice. And we all know who it is. And he needs to go behind bars. Yeah. So that unfortunately is that. Yeah. Now I'm now I'm really bummed out. All right. So yeah, I don't know. I guess fucking follow us on Instagram, Dark Highways Pod, um, and Twitter, Dark Highways Pod. And then email your stories of like your pit stop stories. Like, did you ever stay in a haunted house before? Like I just did. Or aliens. Yeah. Or aliens. Oh my God. Yeah. I can't stop thinking about that last one. Sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis. Meeting some sketchy person on a road trip. We don't know, but you do. So email us at darkhighwayspod at gmail.com. And help out your friends, family members, whoever, if they're going through any type of domestic abuse situation and be a good friend. Sometimes you got to be the friend that's brutally honest. Yes. Oh, and also if you're friends with the person who's like a piece of shit, um, 
Um, hi. Um, hi. Tell them to fuck off and also tell their spouse to get the fuck out. Like, yeah. that. I don't care if they seem like a good guy. Like, no. Fuck off. Yeah. Fuck all the way off. Fuck clean off, actually. Oh, yeah. And, um... Follow or no, we already did the follows. We're doing the like review. Yeah, blah blah like blah. Review, blah blah Talk blah. Dark Highways Pod. Yeah, whatever. Have a good night, everyone. Bye. <laughs>